This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. This week, a Calgary woman ended her life with the help of two physicians. A terminally ill Toronto man made headlines by seeking his own physician-assisted death, and Canada's Catholic Church said the proposed guidelines amount to religious discrimination. With the issue top of mind, today we'll hear a very personal story about a Canadian woman who travelled to Switzerland to end her suffering. Plus, some consider him a health guru, while others say he's a thorn in the side of the medical community. Dr. Oz is on the cover of the latest issue of Zoomer magazine, and I had a chance to sit down with him while he was in Toronto recently. That's coming up. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. $3 billion worth. That's how much cancer medication is thrown out every year in the U.S., and it's one of the reasons the cost of cancer drugs is soaring. According to research by the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, the way single-dose cancer drugs are packaged is a deliberate move by pharmaceutical companies to ensure that leftover medication will be thrown away. The study explains that despite being unused, the leftover drug is paid for by the patient or insurers, artificially increasing the amount of drugs pharmaceutical companies sell per patient. Gray hair has long been associated with aging, but now it might be a thing of the past. Researchers at University College London have discovered the gene responsible for gray hair and think it will be possible to create drugs or cosmetics to switch it off. Genome analysis helped identify the graying hair gene, IRF4, which has previously been associated with hair color, but is now believed to control graying. It's thought that the gene plays a role in regulating melanin, which gives color to your hair, skin, and eyes. The British writer who created the iconic soap opera Coronation Street has died after a short illness. Tony Warren was 79. He was a young actor when he had the idea for a TV series set on a working class street in northwestern England where he'd grown up. The first 13 episode run of what was initially called Florizel Street was renamed before its first broadcast in December 1960. Some TV executives had their doubts, but Coronation Street went on to become the longest-running soap in UK history. Warren also wrote some novels, other TV shows, and the 1960 film Fairy Cross the Mercy, starring the Liverpool group Jerry and the Pacemakers. But nothing had the impact of Coronation Street. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's the kind of comeback story Americans love. 
Before his fall from grace, Dr. Mehmet Oz was dubbed America's doctor. He was a respected cardiothoracic surgeon and a professor of surgery when he was discovered by Oprah Winfrey, and he went on to become a wildly popular TV personality with his own highly rated show. Then, a U.S. Senate panel chastised him for touting weight loss products, and a chorus of critics accused him of perpetrating fraud by promoting supplements as miracle cures. Having faced that adversity, he says his new goal is to help his audience achieve balance in their lives. I sat down with Dr. Oz when he was in town recently. You've had a tough year. How did you feel about being the target of all of that? It's a very different sensation. You know, I spent most of my adult life with folks complimenting me and what we've been able to accomplish. I didn't expect the criticism, and the most surprising part was I didn't understand it. Only months later, after a lot of work, talking to groups that might have been upset with me, I began to grasp what was really happening. And once I understood what the issues were, then it's much easier to address them. But like any clinician, you can't fix a problem you don't see it or understand. And I was absolutely unaware of some of the issues that were out there percolating for quite some time. You've been quoted as saying that there were some things you wish you hadn't done on TV. Well, there's, if I had to go back in time, I would never talk about weight loss supplements. Not because I don't think they work, but because the field is so polluted with junk right now that most of my viewers, when they try to get the things we're talking about, can't get them. They're being taken advantage of by marketers who are stealing my name, reputation, and the like. So it's just too dangerous a neighborhood to travel in. And I'm very proud of our ability to bring alternative approaches to healing into the living rooms of folks in North America because it opened up a whole vista of opportunities for people. Was this whole controversy over your views on supplements the reason you decided to shift your focus to balance? We do a survey every year, and we want to understand where the pain points for our audience. We found as a resounding bit of evidence this spring was that the average person is much more concerned about their mental health than their physical health, but they don't tell anybody that. They're ashamed that they can't keep up with life. They feel pulled in a hundred different directions, but they don't know what to do with that reality. And so giving folks a blueprint for balance was our effort to help soothe some of the discomfort that folks are feeling. What's the basic problem? Why are so many people feeling like this? I think there's a lack of connection in our society. We are pulled apart by digital media, uh, social media, uh, by the fracturing of the family, by a belief that work will give us the answers that we desire in life, the fulfillment that we crave. And we sometimes forget that what has always allowed our species to thrive was a social network of people around us. Our lives are defined by the people in them. And we forget that reality. And so we begin to fight this incredibly vicious battle between being ambitious and different and separate and yourself and being part of a community, part of a family, intimate with the people around you. Think about it. You want to be different? and you want to be the same all at once. You can't do that. The one exception to that rule is when you give, when you contribute, when you're generous, because when you give to others, you actually grow. Paradoxically, how could that be? But you actually feel better about yourself and about life, and we have multiple studies that reinforce that reality. So if we can shift the battle from being different versus being the same to a broader, larger uh, issue about how you contribute and how you therefore grow as a human being, then I think it allows folks to, to get what they need out of life making a contribution, at the same time feeling fulfilled. I've seen you and your contributors talk a lot about being in the moment. Uh, how difficult is that for people, and how much of that is a result of those smartphones in our hands? Being in the moment uh, it takes a lifelong practice of focusing on what really matters. 
I don't pretend to have mastered it myself. I think my wife has reasonably well. Whatever it takes to get there, pull yourself away from the daily grind. It can just enjoy even a few blissful moments of living in the moment. You realize, my goodness, this is so cool. You're never depressed in the moment. You're depressed about what might happen tomorrow or what happened yesterday. Yeah, you're always feeling like you act truly alive in the moment because you actually are. Give me a how-to. A lot of folks don't know how to actually get to the moment. One little tip that I've used personally is my five-minute downtime rule, which I tell my audience all the time. I want everyone to go to the bathroom because I know no one will bother you there. Even if the kids are outside or your spouse is around, just go to the bathroom, put the lid down because you're not actually going potty. You can just sit there for five minutes and enjoy the blissful moment of whatever you're going through that day. It does mean you're going to process some of the things that are happening. It's going to give you a few seconds for your mind to, to sort of relax into the moment. But crazily, just by yourself, you'll be able to process what's happening in a way that allows you to live more in the moment when you come out of your five-minute cocoon session. And the nice thing about that reality is you'll work not just harder, but smarter, which is a big transition that a lot of folks have to learn to make. We think it's all about trying harder at everything we do. Frequently, it's about trying smarter at the things we're efforting. Tell me about being a grandfather. Most blissful experience of my life is being a grandfather. You, it makes being a parent worthwhile because sometimes when you're, you're frustrated because the kids aren't paying attention or behaving, um, you, you can get irritated. But when they have their own children, now you watch life recreating itself. It's an unbelievably fulfilling experience. Plus, you can always give the kids back when you're babysitting them. So all the bad things, like the changing of the diapers and the sniffles that won't go away, they fall to the parents. You get all the good parts, the, uh, the icing of the cake. Has it made you shift uh, priorities or anything like that? Whenever we had a child in our life, whether it was one of mine or our grandkids, it shifted my priorities. I got better and better as I went along, understanding that missing those birthday parties wasn't worth it. Now, obviously, I have a job. We all have responsibilities. We can't beat all the events. But there are many times, if we're honest with ourselves, where we have the flexibility of a go, no go. And uh, I have a lot of FOMO now, fear of missing out. And I think I pass it on to my kids. What are the most important things that people have to keep in mind? The most important topics for a blueprint for balance include sleep, because it's the most underappreciated problem we have. And men are needier than women. They need seven and a half hours. Women can get away with seven. Uh, you need to have some mechanism to deal and cope with the stresses in your life. A lot of that can come from people in your life, but you do have to have them because turning to products outside of you, food, drugs, cigarettes, whatever, sex doesn't work. Uh, you have to get some daily physical activity. But it doesn't have to be very much. Literally 10 minutes of just getting your heart rate up a little bit to avoid frailty is important. Uh, and you have to eat food that you love that happens to be good for you as opposed to eating food that's, that's healthy for you, which tastes like cardboard. You maintain that basic semblance and then put some perspective in there about gratitude and realizing that you have to give your heart a reason to keep beating, then you have a blueprint for balance. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. You can read my full cover story on Dr. Mehmet Oz in the April issue of Zoomer magazine on newsstands now. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. With the Supreme Court's ruling against the ban on assisted dying, stories like the one we're about to hear will hopefully be a thing of the past. In just a moment, we'll return with a very personal look at a Canadian woman who traveled to Switzerland to end her life and her suffering. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. It's a searing documentary that puts a human face on the controversial issue of assisted dying. Producer John Thornton was shocked to learn that after suffering terrible pain for a decade, his old friend Kathy Wardle was planning to travel to Switzerland to end her life. 
Kathy allowed him to document her journey because she was passionate about making the process legal here in Canada. Here's a clip from My Life, My Choice, Dying with Dignity. I feel a great deal of sorrow that, that, well, first of all, that I have to, that I can't be fixed, that I have to die. I don't want to die. But I can't live like this. I can't live in pain. John Thornton is the producer, director, and videographer of the film. It was something that I didn't really ever expect that I would be thrown into. But it started uh, in February 2015. A good friend of mine, Kathy Wardle, reached out to me through a mutual friend and said that she was selling her house. So I went over there. I was interested in her house. And that's when she, uh, she broke the news that it was because she was going to Switzerland to end her life. Wow. And, and how did you react? Well, you know, I went over there with my partner. We were excited at the prospects of potentially buying her house. And then she dropped this bombshell on us. And she matter-of-factly said, okay, well, let's go through and I'll show you the house. So it was a very, it was a very weird day. Did it upset you? I think, I think we were both in shock. I was in shock and Kathy was in shock. Kathy was not, uh, her intention was not to tell me. She wasn't telling many people what she was doing um, because of the laws uh, in Canada uh, in terms of aiding and abetting. So she she didn't plan to to tell me, but when she saw me, I guess the moment struck her and, and she told me. But it didn't really register until that night when we went home. How long have you known her and uh, what did you know about her illness before being told that? I've known Kathy for, or I knew Kathy for 25 years. She was a real estate agent uh, of mine and we remained friends. And about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, I know she was having a lot of uh, pain issues in her lower back and her hip and her knees. She had uh, knee replacement. She had a hip replacement. And then her spine started to deteriorate. So I knew that she was in a lot of pain. And did you try to talk her out of it? Or did you, what, what did you do after that? I didn't try to talk her out of it. I didn't feel uh, as though it was my place to talk her out of it. It was her choice. And she explained what she had been going through, and she explained that she reached out to this organization, Dignitas, um, and she just explained how she had reached the decision that she, she had reached. How old was she? She was 73 when she died. And how long had she been suffering this terrible pain? I would say 10 years. Wow. So how did the documentary come about? I came back to her the next day uh, and asked her how she would feel if I followed her with a, you know, just me with a video recorder and documented her, her last amount of time, and she agreed to do that. The big reason she did that is, you know, she wanted to push things along so that people would vote for a government that would allow assisted uh, dying. Tell me about the trip, because you were there with uh, her sister and uh, a couple of very close friends of hers. Yeah, her sister and her good friend, uh, Ted. Sometimes it almost felt like a party. It did. <laughs> it was, uh, there were a lot of really strange feelings that, that we were all going through. It did feel like a party. One of the things Kathy had said to all of us before we went over, she said, the, the last thing I want is for you guys to be sad. I understand that you're going to be sad, but this is the last time that I have on this earth. I want it to be as joyful as possible. I want us to have a good time. 
And, you know, we, we did, you know, as much as we could, given her, you know, her mobility issues. When I watched the film, seeing you all have a nice time there, you know, I was almost wondering, is she, is she going to go through with it? Did you ever wonder? Knowing Kathy the way I knew Kathy is when she makes up her mind, she makes up her mind. But there was always a little bit of, I wouldn't use the word hope, but there was there, there was something in the back of my mind that said it's very possible that she could have the, the potion in her hand and say, I don't want to do this. But it would have been like, you know, 1%. When she went in to do this, did you go with her mm-hmm. or... Yeah. So you were in the room when she died. Yeah. So um, we weren't permitted. I wasn't permitted to videotape her actual death, but we, you know, I videotaped the journey up to the house, which was in an industrial area uh, that Dignitas has, and uh, then the camera stopped rolling. But then I was an eyewitness uh, to the procedure. And what was that like? The Dignitas people several times say to Kathy that, you know, we're here for you. Um, this happens at your speed or it doesn't have to happen. So they come back, I would say, probably four or five times and reassured her that, number one, she didn't have to be in a rush to do this. And number two, uh, that if she changed her mind at any point, it was absolutely fine. Kathy had uh, looked over at me and she said, let's go for a walk. So we went for a little walk. And as we were walking away from the uh, the group, she said, hold my hand the way you would hold Billy's hand, which is the name of my partner. And um, she just wanted to feel close and to feel loved. And we, we strolled a little bit. Um, and then we hugged each other and uh, told each other that we, we loved each other. And then she was in, in her mode to get it done. And she looked at me and she said, get my sister, get Ted, let's do this. My Life, My Choice will air on Vision TV on Monday, March 14th at 10 p.m. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. One of the founding members of the Supremes is celebrating a birthday this weekend. In just a moment, we'll pay tribute to Mary Wilson. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Brought to life on film by Winona Ryder and Daniel Day-Lewis in 1996, Arthur Miller's classic drama about the Salem witch trials is now on stage in New York City. The Crucible is at the Walter Kerr Theatre. In Los Angeles, an exhibit at the Getty Museum portrays a time in the 1500s when works of art were made of food. This exhibition features rare books and prints, including early cookbooks and serving manuals that illustrate the methods and materials for making edible monuments. To London, England, where Welcome Home Captain Fox is getting rave reviews. It's set in 1959 when the Cold War rages and Americans are tuning into I Love Lucy as a war captain returns home after missing in action for 15 years. And in Moscow, a new exhibition has opened, which glosses over the dark side of Leonid Brezhnev's 18-year rule. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Date Book. 
This week, Supreme singer Mary Wilson is celebrating her 72nd birthday. Wilson was a founding member of the Supremes along with Florence Ballard and Diana Ross. She was the only original member to stay a Supreme through the 60s and into the 70s, long after Ballard and then Ross left the group. Following Wilson's own departure in 1977, the group disbanded. Wilson has since released three solo albums, five singles, and two best-selling autobiographies. In 1988, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, along with Diana Ross and Florence Ballard as a member of the Supremes. Right now, we'll travel back to 1965 and hear one of the Supremes' chart-topping hits. Here is Stop in the Name of Love. That was Stop in the Name of Love. Supreme's founding member, Mary Wilson, is celebrating her 72nd birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.